0: My name is Aidan Vockler and here you will find business strategies, tips and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you are having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Welcome back to Stories Behind the Grind with Adam Boccolo. Today on the show, I'll talk to Bronwyn, who is the founder of Sheik Life, an internationally recognized author and simplicity expert. We delve into overwhelm, the stresses of the modern world, how valuable clarity can be, and where Bronwyn's intuition developed from. Bronwyn, um, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic to be here and I cannot wait to see where our conversation
0: takes us. So you're you're the founder of Shell Q Life, a former Telstra Businesswoman of the Year, and you are recognized as a winner in the WA Business uh, News 40 Under 40. I was just wondering, how did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I get asked a lot. I spent almost two decades in the corporate world and spent my entire life. Basically, running after everybody else, making sure everybody else is okay, and just pushing myself to the absolute extreme. Uh, and I went from fully functioning, award-winning executive to on the floor, unable to participate in life, unable to cope with the basics in life, and unable to stop fine in a matter of minutes. My life completely shattered around me. I had a cancer diagnosis and a complete breakdown off the back of that. And then spent two years rebuilding my life through very intense and comprehensive invasive um, therapy sessions. And those therapy sessions were with um, a grief counsellor that specialised in cancer patients, clinical psychologist, and also I explored energy medicine, you know, the alternative options as well. And then at the end of that two years, I was able to just, just step on my own two feet and you know, be able to participate in the basics of life. So I needed to do another 12 months of the same sort of work off the back of that to be able to really understand who I was and what I wanted to do in life and the way that I wanted to do that. So as part of my recovery through that process, I wrote my first book, which is Keep It Super Simple. Uh, and that book really was about you know healing myself from the inside out And then as I wrote that book and it became published and it went out into the world, it then morphed and people wanted to work with me in different ways. And so I like to say from the back of that book, I became an accidental entrepreneur and I suddenly found myself with my own business operating on a global scale, working with people to teach them that there's a really different way of living. And that's what I do every day now. Um, I have very, very cool life. And I get to teach people the simplest path to finding their own steps in life. And yeah, life's great and, and have loads of fun.
0: So you mentioned you spent two years battling cancer and, and then another year setting yourself up after yeah. that. I'm curious to know, what got you through those, those tough times?
1: Yeah, so my battle wasn't so much with cancer that I was really lucky um, in that they actually were able to get rid of all of the cancer and the surgery that I had. My battle was actually with the resultant breakdown that came off the back of that. So mine was really about picking up the individual pieces that I'd shattered into on the floor, having a look at each one and really deciding whether or not I needed that piece to move forward. Or whether or not I could thank it for its service and just let it go. And that's really, you know, one of the hardest things I've ever done. It, and it is an extraordinary thing to have to look at every single piece, whether you think it's good, bad, useful, or not, and really just learn to love all of yourself again, but also to really understand who you are. Because I think these days we get so caught up in being the person that somebody else or, or the people around us tell us that we should be. Mm-hmm. We actually forget who we are and what's important to us. And so I did a lot of work in creating really simple exercises for myself, really simple thought processes, being able to just get myself out of that you know, that overwhelm that we all live in and being able to just tear it back really simply um, to the basics so that I could actually just separate the emotions from the facts and use the facts to decide what my next step in life was.
0: You're right. It's such a tough process to sort of objectively look at yourself and look at look at every every nook and cranny, the good and the bad, and go, this is who I am, and go forward. And you're right. There's a lot of expectations that society can can place on us, you know, friends, family, work colleagues, for an expectation of who we should be or, or how we should act. To cut all that away, in a sense, and go like, who am I actually? And to go yeah. forward, it, it's a forging process that a lot of people um, should do.
1: Yeah, and I think as well that the biggest part of that is we spend so much time trying to make ourselves a better person, a better version of ourselves, and we push ourselves so hard to fill that hole within ourselves that's created because we know that we need something, but we're not sure what it is. But the problem with trying to make ourselves a better version of ourselves is that We only look in the places that people around us us have told us are appropriate. And actually, we don't need to be a better version of ourselves. We're perfect exactly as we are. What we need to do is find the whole version of ourselves. And the only way to do that is to find those pieces that you've shoved away because somebody's told you that they're not good or they're wrong or they're inappropriate or unacceptable. And we've shoved them away so we can hide them so that people will think well of us. We need to find those pieces again and we need to bring them back together and make ourselves whole and just be able to love every piece of ourselves because it's the only way that we can actually find our way forward in happiness.
0: For those that you helped through that process, what are the results that they experience after they begin to accept who they are as they are?
1: Yeah, I think they find the process really inspiring and empowering Because it allows them to understand what's important to them. And when you know what's important to you, you can create a really solid why around why you're doing things. So I think as part of losing sight of who we are, we also lose sight of what we're doing and more importantly, why we're doing it. And so when you actually stop and pair things back and actually go through the process of understanding who you are, you can suddenly find the things in life that are more aligned to who you are and the things in life that make it so much easier for you to just take every step. and I think when you do that life is much simpler you cut a lot of the noise out that goes on you get overwhelmed a lot less. the result of all of that is that you're less stressed you're less overwhelmed you sleep better and when you do those things you tend to actually have a much healthier lifestyle, uh, and when you
0: do that it's everything's just simple or mm. make a mention on when you get clearer with who you are and why you're here it's inevitable that you you start to cut away the things that don't grow you. I guess it can be daunting in a sense. We' sort of brought up that we you know we should be able to do a lot of things, and it it sort of boils down to in my perspective, you know you sort of have this laser light focus on on one area and go towards that and it involves you know you might cut away ninety percent off the noise around you so that you can focus on that, you know, that last 10% that is designed to sort of grow you and give you a way to contribute back to the world.
1: Yeah, I think you just get more clarity. And I think also that you learn to connect with your intuition much more easily and your intuition will guide you. You'll get a very quick yes or no answer as to whether or not, you know, what's in front of you is actually relevant to you. And when you learn to trust that intuition and just sort of, you know, ever flow with it, and 90% falls away naturally because the yes takes you straight away to the 10%. And I think that that just makes it easier for you to know which direction to ahead. Because when you have the clarity and you have that sort of really clear understanding and vision of what's important in your life and how you can actually move towards that, taking a step and making a decision to try something differently Um, live a little bit differently
0: suddenly you know it doesn't become the crisis that it seems Mm, so true and i guess in a world that we live in today where you know social media is so prevalent and the amount of noise that's coming in is you know it's it's much more than what it was back in the day you know we're we're bombarded with with information unless we can start to gain some clarity like you said before on where we're meant to be going and and who we are it's almost getting to a point where. if you don't have that clarity or you're not working towards finding that clarity that you do become overwhelmed and, and stressed with everything in life that's around you.
1: Yeah, and I think you know the pressure that social media adds into uh, everyday life it comes just from you know the advances in technology in general where there's no longer a, a separation between home and work. There's no longer a separation between friends and home. There's no longer a separation between anything anywhere. You know, we're connected 24-7 and we have this pressure that sits on us that if you don't respond to something straight away, people will think badly of you. And then you look at the social media and you see it coming through, but you forget to actually overlay that people put their A game into social media. And then when you're looking at their A game and you're comparing it with your real life, you start to go, well, geez, I'm such a failure. You know, my life doesn't look like that. My life only looks like this in comparison. So. Therefore, I've got to do more, and I have to go to more things, and I have to, you know, meet more people, and I have to network better, and I have to do all of these things, because otherwise, I'm not going to have my download, and I'm going to miss the golden nugget that gets me to where they are, and it just becomes this big snowball of complexity and overwhelm that doesn't serve anyone, anywhere, anytime.
0: You mentioned before about the the barriers between, you know, home life and work life, and and, and friends, you know, they're all sort of blurred. From a work point of view, what do you think is the responsibility on corporates? So in a corporate culture, do you think there should be changes in what they expect from employees?
1: There should be changes in expectation. I think that all of us have to get better at uh, being able to employ with changes in technology because I think there's maybe two constants that we can expect moving forward. And one is that change will always happen. And the second is that as technology advances, so will the way that we live our lives. And I think, you know, we spend so much time pushing back and saying that this is good, this is bad, and those sorts of things. But actually, we just need to find a way that we can evolve and cope better within that while still retaining sight of who we are and understanding who we are. And I think part of the problem that we're seeing at the moment is that people are just pushing and pushing and pushing Because they've been given this message that stress and exhaustion is normal. Stress and exhaustion are compulsory if you want to be successful. And then we start to see the rote learned sayings like, I um, operate best when I'm under pressure. Um, If I'm not stressed, I can't do a good job. Um, You know, these sorts of messages that people start to just parrot and they actually don't understand what is happening to them when they're constantly stressed. So, you know, I think maybe rather than, you know, expectations on employees and stuff like that needing to change, there needs to be a better education process around what is actually happening on a physiological, mental, physical level to people when they are stressed and that needs to happen at the individual level and, you know, potentially it needs to happen at the corporate level so that they can actually have better education programs so that they can empower their employees to actually look after themselves better in that environment. Because I think, you know, the the world changes so quickly and everyone's so prepared to just point the finger and say it's someone else's problem. Uh, It needs to be looked at from both directions. Individuals need to take personal responsibility for themselves, but corporations also perhaps have a role to play in, in assisting in the education process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so tackling, I guess, the, the problem of overwhelm and stress from both ends and having, yeah. having, having responsibility across the board, not just one party um, being responsible to bear the whole burden.
1: Yeah, we've lost too much of the individual's responsibility for looking after their own welfare because you're the only one that can make the choices for your life. And while ever you point the finger and say it's someone else's fault, you're never going to find the answers that you need for yourself. And until you do that, until you start asking your own questions and finding your own answers, your life will stay the same.
0: Yeah, agreed. It starts with responsibility from an individual perspective. If you take responsibility, then then you have the control. If you if you give the responsibility away to somebody else, then with that responsibility, you you give away the control of the situation, and you get to the to the point where if it's everybody else's fault, then you can do nothing about it. Whereas if you start taking more responsibility and going, you know, well, actually maybe there are things that I can do and the things that I am responsible for, then, then you give that control to yourself. And then with yeah, I agree. the ability to go forward and make you know, changes.
1: Yeah, but I think also when you actually take that responsibility back yourself, you make sure that you're getting what you need. Whenever well, you actually put that responsibility outside yourself and hand it over to somebody else, all you can rely on is their ability to actually assess what it is you need. And the two won't necessarily meet because you know you've got different filters, you've got different backgrounds, you've got different conditioning. And what somebody else thinks you need and what you actually need could be pulled apart. If you give that responsibility to somebody else, they could be handing you something that is completely detrimental to your well being.
0: Mm, agreed. Without overcommunicating what you want and sometimes It can be difficult to articulate what you actually want. You know, people will say they want things, but that's sort of at a high level. But dig a bit deeper into actually, and takes it takes a bit of um, introspection and a bit of reflection. What do I actually want? If you can't communicate it to others, you shouldn't be disappointed that you're not getting what you want if you haven't asked for it. No,
1: and until you learn to ask your own questions for your own self, you're actually not going to be able to get those answers anyway. So that's the starting point. You have to learn to ask the questions that matter so that you can find the answers that are right for your life.
0: Are there any any questions you ask yourself to shed a bit of light on the situations you're in that would be valuable for uh, the listeners?
1: Yes. So, for example, any time anybody ever says something to me like, oh, my God, you have to do this or you have to go here or you have to try that. The first thing I do is ask myself, is this right, for me? And I will immediately get a yes or a no answer in my head. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then my next question is, what more do I need to know about this? And then what I find is the information will come to me, whether I find it through a Google search or Suddenly, someone will send me an information, or there will be a Facebook post, because I've opened that that thought process up. My subconscious stops filtering information around that and starts allowing that information to be seen by me. If the answer is no, I just go great, don't need to worry about this, and I just let it go. So I don't do anything based on FOMO anymore. There's no fear of missing out. There's no no you only live once. There's none of that sort of stuff. I just ask those simple questions. And I automatically get my direction in life. The second thing I've done is get rid of the words success and failure. I behave as if those two words don't exist in the dictionary. And I've replaced them with adventure and explore. Because I realized one day that we have this completely different mindset when we go on holidays. We sort of claw our way scraping and you know exhausted and just you know do everything we possibly can to get ourselves to a holiday and then once we get on holiday it's like we fall over this line and all of a sudden we're prepared to sleep and look after ourselves we don't care if we everything we put in our mouths is the most nutritious thing ever we you know we're so much more relaxed about everything we're happy to go and try different foods we'll try different activities We'll go to different places. We'll do all of that sort of stuff. And if something doesn't work out, there is absolutely no pressure in our lives. You know, our lives aren't going to end. We're not a failure. There's none of that overlay goes into, you know, who we are in holidays.
0: Yeah. So something
1: I do now is work with people and say, okay, let's see how we can bring that mindset back into our everyday lives. And because we know what's really important to us. We can start to take little steps in different directions, try different things, and then we can apply a mindset of if something doesn't work, actually that's amazing because we've got a very clear and quick signal that we don't need to keep walking down that path
0: That's really clever because we've all been on holidays and we also remember what holidays feel like. Yeah. So to be able to take people back to how they were feeling on the holiday... And start to implement, you know, that mindset of exploration and adventure back into the the real world, or you know, the day to day, the reality. I'm impressed. That's quite a clever way to do it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I sort of think about it, and I think, uh, you know, people, you'd go on holidays and you would come back, and people say, "Wow, you look amazing. You look so relaxed." And then I suddenly realise people say that to me all the time now, whether I'm on holidays or not, and it's because I've brought that mindset back into everyday, and I do things that constantly refuel my energy tanks and I do things that every day that make sure that I'm okay. I've completely changed my focus on things. So my non-negotiable activities now are the things that actually fuel me, They're the things that make sure that my day is set up on an amazing platform. Everything else is negotiable. Everything else I can move around, be flexible with, do whatever. So cruisy about all of it. But I'm cruisy about all of it because my day is set up brilliantly for me. Where before everything was about everybody else and there was nothing in there for me, nothing that looked after me. So being able to flip that mindset has completely set things up so differently. And when I go on holidays now, you know, things are out of control and everyone's like, Oh my god, you have the most epic holidays and it's not really all that different, except that I'm doing things that I love. And people don't necessarily want what I'm doing. They don't want to they don't want to go and do exactly what I'm doing. They want
0: the smile that reaches the eyes that they can see in the photo. Mm, they want the, um, the result of, of all the hard work that you've, you've put in and to, to calibrate right. your life on, and like you said, what, what fuels you. There's a limit, I guess, to how much you can, you can help others without first help, helping yourself first. If your cup's empty, so to speak, then it's, it's a, you know, much more difficult to help others. But if your cup's full and you take priority in filling your cup first, then you can, you know, the overflow, you can just keep giving out to others.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I give more now than I ever did before. But what I give now is so much more powerful because it comes from a fully fueled, fully connected, fully aligned place. And the foundation of that, when that goes out in an energetic sense, what people get on the other side of that is so much more incredible and so much more powerful than it ever was before. And understanding that and being able to really, you know, live in that environment and in that life is so much more empowering and inspiring to me uh, but also to everybody else.
0: We've talked about a few times about, I guess, your intuition. Has that been something you've naturally had throughout your life or is it something that you've developed over time?
1: I think it was something that I subconsciously suppressed previously and it's something that I have really embraced and allowed as part of that process of looking at all the different pieces of myself, there is a very deeply connected spiritual and and sort of that real energetic and alternative brain side of myself, I guess, that I completely denied previously. And the more that I have allowed that to develop and grow and to just love that side of myself, the much more easily that my intuition has been allowed to come to the forefront is something that's so strong within me now and, and really guides me. You know, it's hard to actually remember what it was like to not have it.
0: How did you, um, I guess, welcome it back into your life? Was it a matter of just listening to your gut more often or, or were there other ways that you suppressed it less?
1: One of the decisions that I made when I was in recovery was that I had so spectacularly crashed When I broke, I broke spectacularly. You know, one of the big steps in my recovery was really acknowledging to myself just how far off my path I had taken myself with the way I was living previously. Uh, And so as part of that, I actually made the decision that I would be open to receiving and seeing uh, all sorts of different options for my recovery. As part of that process, I started working with an energy medicine professional, and that was through ICA alignments, so integrated therapeutic alignments. And that's using very specific messages to the subconscious and unconscious mind through the use of energy movement through the body. Um, I also started exploring some different meditation um, techniques and sequences because Essentially, as part of my breakdown, what happened was I experienced my entire lifetime's emotion in two years. So for me, I was very fragile, very, very emotional. I was crying all the time, which was very unusual for me. I lost all the dexterity. I, you know, I used to be very coordinated, I'm quite a skilled sportswoman, and I lost, lost the ability to you know, hold on to a glass. I'd pick a glass up and my hand would just let go. And, all of those sorts of things. So there were quite a few challenges for me to get through that, and so I needed things that could help me to actually sit within anxiety and sit within that really forceful emotion, and actually, I guess, be as okay as I could be through that process, and really learn to, you know, love and accept myself again because I've completely forced myself into a full-blown perfectionist lifestyle so i was really harsh really critical and very overbearing and quite nasty to myself Mm -hmm. so i had to learn to actually you know go to the other extreme of that and then find the balance in the middle the only way for me to do that was to do things differently than the way i had done before so I explored different things by that and i used that you know holiday mindset to do that so that It gave me that process of being able to just put my toe in the water, try some things out, and if it didn't work, come back out, and then maybe go and try some other things. And just a lot of self-care and really understanding what it was that I loved to do and just giving myself permission to be able to do that through that time. So my intuition grew as part of that process because I guess I wasn't focused on suppressing it. I was so focused on just trying to be okay day to day and then, as I as I recovered and and I got better and I understood myself more, that intuition had just sort of found its its place in my life, and I I just allowed it to stay there.
0: Wonderful that it's um how it sort of came about.
1: Yeah, beautiful, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um fascinating. Bronwyn, you've just released a, a new book called The Economy of Enough. Yeah. Can you tell the audience what that is about?
1: Yeah. So the economy of enough really was. My struggle that underpinned the perfectionism was a battle with not being good enough. And it didn't matter what it was, it didn't matter what aspect of my life, I found a way to make myself not good enough. And the process that I went through to recover was, you know, the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. And when you're in the bottom of that black pit that is the absolute bottom of the breakdown, you're faced with a choice. And it really showed me the simplicity of life. You know, my choice was to live or to die. It really was that simple. There was nothing else in that moment, just that one question. And when I chose to live, I really didn't understand the severity and the harshness of, of what that meant in terms of recovery. And because I've been there and because I went through that, I really just wanted to make sure that whatever I did next could really help other people not have to go there because everything that I've learnt off the back of that recovery and, and in, in transitioning to a different way of living has showed me that we don't need to have that breakdown as an excuse for us to be able to live a little bit deeper. There are so many things that we've been taught. Change is not hard, but all of us have been taught that it, it's excruciating and that we, we just don't go there. We've been taught that you have to wait for the traumatic event before you're allowed to change. You know, so many people have said to me, it's okay for you to live differently because you've had cancer or it's okay for you because you've had a breakdown. And it's like they're saying that's your excuse, you're allowed. But I haven't had that so I'm not. And really, it's just a distraction. All of it is just a distraction to stop us from stepping into the greatest form of ourselves. And so the economy of enough is really, really about my battle with not being good enough and the things that I've learned where, you know, my journey with it, the things that I've learned about that and some really simple activities, exercises, questions at the end of every chapter that can help, you know, the reader to actually start to look at those areas in their own life in really simple ways. And keep it super simple is the same. It's the same structure. I really just want people to know that living differently is really simple. You can do it really simply. You just have to get curious with your own life and start to question the things that you've been told are facts. Uh, Because a lot of the facts that we've been told about life are actually fiction. You know, I've been so grateful to see the way that economy of enough has been, you know, embraced uh, throughout the world. You know, in the last week, it's, it's only been launched the last week and, and already books have gone to the US, the UK, all over Australia. Uh, you know, it's just amazing to see that there are so many people out there who really want to live differently, but they just have this battle with not being good enough that holds them back.
0: Yeah, there's an uh, this internal belief that they can't change.
1: Well, they don't deserve it, mm. is, is what they think. Uh, and it's just so not true.
0: No, it's it's definitely not. Like you said, change isn't as difficult as it's made out to be. But it, no. but it first comes down to accepting that you want to change, and then taking, in in my perspective, you know, the small steps towards it.
1: Yeah, because I think you know you mentioned the word change, and people immediately go into overwhelm about about what that means. And a lot of people think that they've stuffed up, they've got things completely wrong, and now it's too late. You know because they think that they have to quit their entire life and get rid of their entire life for them to be able to live differently, and nothing could be further from the truth. You take one little step in a tiny different way, and the way that your life opens up off the back of that can be incredible
0: yeah, and it, it can be sort of never ending in a, in a sense yeah. or the opportunities are never ending yeah, it's like if you're walking a straight line and you you adjust your your trajectory one degree after a couple of kilometers, you know, you could be in a completely different place. And it, totally. only took, it only took that, you know, initial slight change to have amazing results.
1: Yeah. And a step is just a step. You know, it doesn't matter if it's forwards, backwards, up, down, sideways. It actually doesn't matter. The step is just a step and it's taking the step. is an
0: important thing. Yeah, it's motion and momentum. Uh, Bronwyn, a question that I'd like to ask all guests on the podcast and I'd love to get your thoughts on it, is what's your definition of the grind?
1: My definition of grind is when you're doing everything in the way that everyone else has told you to the extent that you forget who you are.
0: So letting letting society tell you what to do.
1: Yeah. And one of my favourite quotes is by Danielle LaPorte, and she Mm -hmm. says, do you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be?
0: That's so powerful. That's definitely one to think about
1: more
0: detail. yeah uh Bronwyn, where can people find more about you
1: uh they can find loads of information and um, there's there's actually lots of free downloads um little exercises and things like that on the website so that's www.sheiklife.com and that's s-h-e-i-q-l-i-f-e.com uh, and they can also find me on facebook instagram and linkedin uh, and you can buy either of the books on. The website, keep it super simple. It's available on Amazon at the moment and The Economy of Enough will be available there shortly
0: too. Amazing. Thank you again for your time after a, you know, a hectic schedule, all the work up to the, the pre-launch and launch of, um, of your new book. So thank you again for fitting in this time in, into your busy day.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great having a chat.
0: If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I appreciate you for stopping by. Please subscribe. Otherwise, if you took away valuable advice from this episode, I'd love for you to share it with others. Until next time.